Welcome back, live from uh, the Quality Inn in Seymour, Indiana, yet again. It is Brian Henn with yet another uh, Doughboys podcast. And I just have to say, guys, I I feel it in my bones tonight. Tonight, the podcast is going to be legend. Wait for it. Dairy. He needs some milk. Legendary. That is a great How I Met Your Mother reference for those of you that didn't get it. If you didn't get that that reference, I pity you. I encourage you to go back and, and watch all the How I Met Your Mother series. Uh, but let me let me bring in my podcast, uh, my podcast mate here, uh, Matt Matt Kinney. Did did you know that they made a How I Met Your Father podcast or a, not a podcast, but a, a TV show as well? Uh, I actually did know that. Uh, shout out to Hillary Duff. Um, yeah. She is a part of that, which, you know, um, it brings back some memories of uh, Lizzie McGuire action. Obviously, uh, grew up on Disney. Crush on old, old H. Duff. So I always think uh, Kim, I... And I, Kim and I watched like maybe four episodes of it and then completely gave up on it. So yeah. it did not last. I don't blame you. How I Met Your Mother was so much better than How I Met Your Father. I do think about sometimes, though, like if my parents were explaining to me how they met, I think it would be a lot more boring of a story than uh, than than it was on the show. Yeah, I think about my parents and I'm just like, num- number one, I don't even know like who they would quantify as like their close group of friends. Number two. I know they're not nearly as cool as anybody portrayed in How I Met Your Mother. Like, oh my god! I think about my parents. I'm just like, gosh, you like, there's just so their friends are so bland. Yeah, right. And I, I dread the day when, you know, we get older, and I hope that, you know, future kids of the boys never have to say, oh my gosh, like. Dad, your your friends are so lame, or yeah. like they're just so weird. Uncle Brian is going to be so cool for all of the boys' kids in the future, right. and I think he will be the favorite. But I, I mean, if they question Sloan, like that's understandable. Yeah. But outside of that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's totally fine. I would say. Why'd Uncle Sloan do that? This is how he is. Like <laughs> yeah. this, is what he does. <laughs> I think sometimes our wives still ask that. So, oh, 100%. <laughs> that's okay. But anyway, that's that's enough enough talk about mothers and fathers for now, I'd say. But I do actually before we get into the the meat and bones of the podcast, I uh I figured we should probably give Josh uh his his 5 minutes of Purdue basketball talk. I uh as somebody that listens to an awful lot of Purdue basketball podcasts and also has you know, plenty of time at, at our uh, coffee club meetups to uh, to recap Purdue basketball. I feel like we owe it to Josh to give him, you know, some some analysis. So, uh, yeah, how are you, how are you feeling on the season? What do you think of the Alabama game? What do you think of uh, you know? What do you think of Arizona coming up? Where do you stand? Yeah, Alabama, uh, definitely a roller coaster. Um, very frustrating to see like literally everybody and their brother like decide to make a three pointer, especially in the first half. Um, You know, the perimeter defense was disappointing. I know you and I talked about this 
I think part of the reason why Alabama was able to get so many three or make so many three pointers is the number of offensive rebounds they got. I thought we did a really bad job of long shot, long rebound, and we just packed it into the paint expecting for it to come down there and it rarely ever did or we would get back tapped. And then what do you know? Some dude, mainly Sears was wide open for an extra three to just splash it. Um, so that part was disappointing. Also disappointing to see another team's point guard go absolutely psycho on our team. Um, yeah. But just thankful that we actually showed some grit in our offense uh, dominated uh, and did what they did. And we were able to get enough stops at the end to, to put it away. Yeah. I do think it's funny. Like I noticed in the Alabama game and I mean, it's all, it feels like it's this way in every game, but uh, Zach Eady just makes every other player on the floor look like an absolute baby. Like they are just so freaking tiny compared to him. And I love those, those times where we get like that perfect post feed and they're kind of cheating to one side and he just like rolls his body around them and just has an easy dunk, uh, you know, right off the post feed. I think that's like one of the most impressive plays that, that Purdue ends up running. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think our, our rebounding was poor. I think our on-ball defense was poor. And I mean, I think it's going to come back to bite us. My, my hope, like, I know I mentioned this to a couple of the boys, but I feel like in years past, we have truly like peaked in November and December. Like we are just playing elite basketball. We, we can't miss Zach Eady's on fire. You know, we get everybody in foul trouble. We play great defense. You know, we're just like really locked in. And then I feel like we go into the new year with this feeling that we're like almost untouchable and that, you know, like nobody can stop us. And then, and I feel like we almost get like, not like overconfident or anything, but just like, it just feels like we, we focus in, you know, like we lose track of a couple aspects of the game and all of a sudden, you know, uh, we have what happened last year. And so I'm kind of grateful that like, even though we've had an awesome start to the year and we probably have the best resume in college basketball, I'm kind of grateful that they're not just like clicking on all cylinders right now. I agree. I think us having room for improvement leaves me with at least a little more hope um, moving into the new year, especially like post big 10 play. I feel like the style of basketball that we play just takes a toll on the team. And then when you go through the grind of big 10 basketball, like we're energized, our team is healthy. Like nobody's taking a beating and, getting bumped and just playing hard basketball like you do in the big 10. And then we hit that big 10 gauntlet and then March happens. And, you know, our team is just like worn down and weathered and we get exposed. I feel like that's the case for all big 10 teams. Like you and I yeah. talked about this, how the big 10 puts out just a piss poor showing in March all the time. You know, we'll get three or four teams that win in the opening round and we'll be lucky to have one team make the Sweet 16, like as a conference. Yeah. And I think that's a testament to the style of play that is happened in the Big Ten. I think that's a testament to the way the Big Ten allows the games to be refereed. So I would love to see just a full-fledged shift of the style of basketball to be more coastal uh, 
and fit in with everybody else because I think that'll give us a better shot to win. But yeah. that, if, if Zach Eady's dominant and we are, you know, other people besides Braden Smith are able to score the basketball and hit shots from the perimeter, like I feel really good about our chances to win on any given night. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I will say, I know I just, you know, commented that I'm I'm grateful that we're we have some warts. And I think your point about the style of play is spot on, but I will say nothing pissed me off quite as much as watching Northwestern completely fold last night to Chicago State. Like I said this when we lost, like it is so annoying to me how many times we go in, we go on the road in the Big Ten, we play a good team, but not a great team. And they are clicking on all cylinders. They're hitting every shot they take. They're hitting stupid shots that nobody should ever make. They're getting bailed out. Like they're getting, you know, foul calls. Their arena is just like completely on fire. Every fan is completely in the, engaged in the game. And then they beat us. They court storm us. It's, you know, national news for a day about how Purdue lost, you know, Northwestern knocks off number one Purdue. And sure enough, in pretty much like their second home game since beating us, I get, I didn't watch a lick of the game, I will say, but I guarantee you there was like, the arena was probably like 50% full. They were unengaged in the game. Yeah, maybe not even that. Chicago State might have had more fans there than Northwestern. They were unengaged. The players clear like were probably not playing with very much energy, and they come out and get beat. And I just find that very annoying. It's like if we lose to a team that's legitimately good and that has you know has a fan base that's there game in game out. Like I I respect our losses on the road to Rutgers. Like Rutgers is a good team most years, and like even though we are better, like that that place is popping every game like regardless mm-hmm. of who they're playing freaking Northwestern. Like, I'm just like, come on. That's just stupid. Right. I'm pretty sure Northwestern might be on break or like, you know, finals just happened. So kids are home for the like semester break, but like the, there was no students, like minimal fans. And I'm just like, if your student body having to be there, like is the determining factor on fans showing up, like, it kind of shows the status of your basketball team and like the type of game it is. Like even when Purdue is out of session, like even when we were in school and it was time for break, like we would try to come back home for games, but Mac arena was packed all the time. Totally. Like you said, it's disappointing to see that. It's also equally disappointing that Northwestern cracks the top 25 at seven and one. I'm like, Hey, that loss now is not that like it's respectable. We lost on the road to a top 25 team. And then they go out and do this. And I'm just like, yeah, God, God damn it. Yeah. I hate, no, I, I hate Northwestern. Northwestern sucks. I, I would say that I hate Northwestern, uh, but I, I, I am a Northwestern booster uh, because that was how. Right. Yeah. Uh, I forgot Mike about you, you and Mike. To, yeah. We were able to get tickets to the big 10 tournament last year by becoming, uh, I think we were, were a part of the wildcat fund. I think is what it's called. Oh, so that's such a uh, stupid name too. It, it is. It is. Um, and it is no coincidence that they were the only big 10 school that would sell, uh, you know, would sell uh, tickets to the big 10 tournament to any tier of the wildcat fund, not just the elite tiers oh, like the John Purdue club would. So uh, yeah, I can't disparage Northwestern 
too much as a proud Wildcat fund donor, but uh, I agree with everything that he said. Somebody needs to get Mike Wilbon and uh, Mike Greenberg on the phone and tell them to get their school together. Yeah, no, I agree. It's pathetic, pitiful. But uh, you, how are you uh, feeling for Arizona? Yeah, you mentioned Arizona. I do not feel good. I think we're <laughs> going to lose. I honestly think we're going to lose fairly handily. Um, I think Arizona has a drastically improved defense from last year. I think they had some of the same faults as we did um, with struggling on defense and kind of getting exposed with their style of offense, uh, kind of being like, I'm going to play my way. This is how our offense goes, and this is what we're going to do regardless. And, you know, they lost to Princeton last year, just like we got upset. Um, So... I think their coach has kind of figured it out. The team looks great. They're one of the few schools in the country that can match us with Edie and some. I think I looked up and they've got four different dudes that are seven feet or taller uh, on their roster, plus other guys that are like six seven, six eight, six nine. Their guards are wildly experienced. Um, like pick your poison on Pele Larson or. Caleb Love or Boswell, like deciding to go. Whoever's being guarded by Fletcher Lawyer might drop 50 points. Like, I'm just going to. I was going to say, you and I have talked about it. I have no idea. Expect a 50 burger. Yeah. Like, the weakest offensive player for the other team from a guard standpoint is going to be guarded by Fletcher Lawyer. They're going to whip stuff around, or they're just going to set ball screens, make us switch, and isolate him. Like, Fletcher Lawyer might statistically be one of the worst defenders in the entire country. Um, but he shoots threes and kind of does it pretty well. So sometimes, sometimes he steals the ball. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he can't inbound the ball or yeah. dribble. So or I don't know. Fletcher Lawyer, he's uh, just a mind boggling mystery to me. Like, I don't, I just don't get it. I see what he does and then he has great games and I'm like, man, yeah, I love Fletcher Lawyer on the floor. And then he does stuff like he did against Alabama. And I'm like, hmm. I think we need to visit Ethan Morton some more minutes or Miles Colvin or give me some more Cam Heidi and just not him. He's so. got such a baby face too. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I just like, I almost can't take him seriously. Kim, Kim doesn't believe that he's a, a college kid. She's like yeah. fully, fully confident that he's a sophomore in high school. Yeah. I, I don't blame her. I, I, he's the one that I think I've made this comment before, but uh, Annie likes to mock me sometimes whenever uh, Purdue basketball loses by uh, asking me if, if my school's 19 year olds didn't come through for me today. Yep. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's really funny, but like when, when it's Zach Eady, I'm like, that's not even a funny joke. Like Zach, he's a man. And but then like they flashed a Fletcher lawyer and I'm like, okay, yeah, my 19 year olds didn't win. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm angry yeah. about it. So uh one thing I'm curious about tomorrow is how TKR is gonna fit into the the system. He started, I don't even know if he played more than like three minutes in the second half against Alabama. Yeah. Um, just like game script, how things were going, like he just didn't play with and Alabama's power forward, uh, I think is a San Diego State transfer that's like very mobile and very good. I don't know if he can shoot the ball necessarily, but again, I just worry the TKR ED combo. I just don't I'm I'm not fully bought into it. I think we need to get to a point where Gillis is cracked into the starting lineup again. 
let TKR be our center in the second unit. Um, and like dominate in his like little short spurts there. But I don't know. I think that, that, that aspect of the game is going to be really interesting for me for, uh, for Saturday. Yeah, I agree. I'm, uh, I'm excited to go. Uh, you and I will, will be in attendance cheering on, yeah. cheering on our boilers. So, uh, curious if any of the other uh, members of the boys are going, I'm sure at least somebody, I'm sure Mike's going, but Boom gang. I, I would imagine uh, it's it it is a it is an athletic event in Indianapolis, so I'm sure Austin Shelby will be there. Um, uh, the Colts I, game's going on tomorrow. Oh, that's true. Or not tomorrow, Saturday. Yeah, Colts game well, at we, uh, four fifteen. I I think I would bet my entire net worth that they will be at one of the two. Like, yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't. I that is like the safest bet I could ever think of. Like. Yeah. Yeah, probably minus four fifty on that one. Yeah. I, I do agree though, Colts game is probably more likely just uh given uh Shelby's uh you know ball state fandom. Probably probably not interested in going to a Purdue basketball game if there's a Colts game uh, going on too. Ball State plays Indiana State in the game before Purdue. That is true, I know, but I just I don't know. It feels feel like, like her her Colts fandom greatly outweighs her pride for eh, I wouldn't necessarily say her pride for Ball State, but maybe her pride for Ball State athletics, specifically yeah. their basketball team. Yeah, I just know I just know the Meridas love the shoe. Yeah, that is true. I I uh, I I respect her Colts fandom a lot, and I will say her Colts Snapchat stories make me laugh almost every time. <laughs> it's like I don't know I. She's. I think those are just really funny. So, hey, I'm a huge fan of the Shelby Merida Snapchat stories. If you're not following her uh, on Snapchat, you should, so that you can get co- access to her Colts content. I think it's top notch. Um, but that's all I have to say on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not get weird. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Excited to see but, the big game for the Colts. Big game. Uh, playoff yeah. implications. Need the win after an embarrassment last week against Cincinnati. Lots of stuff. Speaking of embarrassing I, football, the uh, L.A. Chargers are playing right now. That's true. That's making, true. Making Aiden O'Connell look like he's back playing against, uh, insert some game where he played really well. I don't know. Nebraska, yeah. probably. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell's on pace to throw Tennessee. for Tennessee. Like, yeah. Tennessee in the bowl game. That's what it looks like. Aiden O'Connell's on pace to throw for like 545 yards and uh, eight touchdowns at this rate. So. That is awesome. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'd be worried if I were Josh at this point, though. I mean, the Raiders are up 21 to nothing at the beginning of the second quarter, and Devontae Adams only has two catches for 31 yards. He might get benched at this point. Yeah. Like, why, why even bother? Right. You know, uh, I think there's a, there's an interesting strategy there of, you know, outcome is in hand. Maybe I pull back on some guys that are really good. Uh, not let them get any any more statistics uh, the rest of the game, you know, since the outcome's already there. Um, you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing that uh, teams have the, the ability to do when, yeah. when they want to do it. Yeah, it's that time of year. They know they're not making the playoffs, so. Right, yeah, my playoff, my playoff hopes are done. Yeah. Let me just improve my draft pick as best as yeah. I can. Yeah, right? it's time to pull out of the race. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. I just got a no no reason for Devontae Adams to get hurt before they trade him to the Jets next year. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Get your yeah. draft capital. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, know. Uh, real quick, going back to that Colts Steelers game, do you think there's any chance that either team breaks double digits? Double digit points? Yeah. No, I think so. <laughs> I think the Colts offense is uh Colts offense is good enough to put up points against the old uh, the old Steeler defense. You think? Right. Colts defense also gave up 21. Colts defense also just gave up 31 points to Jake Browning. So yeah, you know, let Mitch Trubisky yeet it down the field. You <laughs> never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I bet you know some nonsense turnover penalties, whatever big special teams play. Like some team will stumble upon getting a couple touchdowns, and boom, it's you know final score of 17, 13, or something like that. Yeah, I think. It would be safe to say, like, the the Colts probably went into that Bengals game, like, expecting that they would win. Like, they were, like, they played that game as if they had already won. And oh, I, yeah. I hope that that's not the case for the Steelers game. I hope they realize how important this game is for them. And I'm sure they do. They're professionals. But, like, Jeez. it needs to be better. And with all of the outcomes last week of – um, like Houston losing to the Jets, the Jaguars losing, like Colts win that game. They're tied for first right now in the division. Not like, oh, hey, we're fighting for a wild card spot. Like they are in it to take yeah. home the AFC South title. Yeah. So choked, I choked it down. I would say this is this is probably a good time, you know, as we as we discuss, uh, you know. How you know how the Colts are closing out out the season and stuff uh, to to kind of transition here into the closeout of our season. Um, you know nobody nobody really cares about the playoffs. They're they're all just interested in how the regular season finished. So um, let's get back into to a little bit of a tank talk. We uh, what what were your thoughts on on the last two weeks worth of of tanking and and kind of some of the strategy decisions that that some managers made. Um, yeah, I think Austin pulled out a a strategy that was, uh, you know, good for him. Um, he has his own pick, let him do what he will with it. I agree with Josh. Like you don't want a team to decide to put up zero the next two weeks. Like, don't, don't be down by so much that you don't have the ability to do that. You know, like, like you missed out on the opportunity by not having a good team. So sucks um i will say really tough luck for austin uh having freaking tommy devito put up enough points for dylan to um i don't know if dylan surpassed me and colin or not but i know he got ahead of me uh and so i went from being able to have 61 table points down to 60 which instead of me tying with austin and then like me having more points, I would have been, I would have had a worse draft pick than him. I now have less table points than Austin. So Austin missed out on having the third pick uh, and he has to have the fourth pick now. So, yeah, I mean, but in all honesty, that was like the most dramatic thing of the week. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, I guess, you know, like I, I mentioned this to, to you and Mike, I know, but like for me, the, the only aspect of the tanking that I didn't like, I, I think it's a very valid strategy. I don't think it should be like outlawed by any means. 
you know, I think I would probably do the same thing in a lot of, you know, these situations, but I, I just feel like we got robbed of some drama. And I know that looking back at the outcomes, it, you know, it may or may not have actually impacted who went to Waffle House and who did it and all that stuff. But the point is like, we wouldn't have known that in the moment. We would, something clearly happened in the Chargers game based on how Matt's reacting here. We just fumbled for the third time. Brandon Staley is going to be gone at halftime. Our punt return man ran four yards upfield, then ran three yards backwards, and then literally just dropped the ball. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's not – I don't even know what the – oh, my God. I have no words. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, fire Staley's ass right now. This might be a, a new low for your Chargers fandom. Jesus. Got, I feel like the players are trying to get him fired at this point. We got boo-boo fingers and freaking butter hands out here. My God. Yeah. But, to, counter, to counter your point, though, of drama yeah. being robbed, right? Like, obviously, we have the ability of hindsight being 2020, like – you know, Mike said he went back and looked at the numbers for him and Austin. And even if they started like the lineup that they probably would have started, he, you know, claims they would have finished ninth and 10th anyways in the table a couple weeks ago. Um, obviously this past week, like, you know, not a whole lot of drama within things shaking up at the beginning of the one o'clock games. Everybody was like, Oh man, is the magic going to happen for Colin. And let's be real, they all jinxed him. So disappointment for you guys for doing that, but I appreciate it uh, for my sake. But there was I mean, a stretch in the one o'clock game, so where it looked like you might be in trouble. Like even oh, with I don't that, doubt it at all. Yeah, there. I would say like halfway through the one o'clock games, when I was looking, it was like, oh boy, there because there were like there were three teams that were projected to finish between you and Colin. And there was like two more that were like within 10 points either way of you guys, where it's like if certain stuff broken up, you know, in that way, like it could happen. Oh, yeah. And the other crazy part was so many people, especially the playoff teams, so many people had players on the two Monday night games or the Sunday night game. Yeah. And so it was like Sloan's projection and Dylan's projection. Like they had some heavy hitters sitting on the bench where it's like, oh, you know, uh, Sloan's projected to get 20 points from Tyreek Hill and yeah. 12 points from Aheem Moster, and this guy still have to play, and it's like he's projected to score 52 more points. So Sloan's sitting at like 65, 70 points. Yeah. His projection is like 125, which is right around where he needed to be, and it's like, gosh dang, like that's crazy. And then, you know, I mean – Colin, I will say to Colin's credit, Colin did every he got everything he could have asked from his team. Like, yep, they totally. put up points, they scored touchdowns. Is he regretful that he didn't start Evan Ingram? Honestly, starting him literally doesn't change anything. Like, I don't even think he still gets enough points to catch you if he did replace yeah. somebody with him. But you know, like Colin, the the toughest part about you know when you're trying to pull off a miracle um, with different scenarios there. Like the toughest part is making sure your team does what it's supposed to. Yeah. And his team did what it was did. supposed to. Yeah. His issue was literally nobody else came through for him. Yeah. No, totally. 
and and your team, you know, your team performed as well. Like your team, you got what you needed to out of your team. Correct. And I think to me, like that again, I can't say I wouldn't have done the same thing in all these managers' shoes. I just think it's too bad that the league missed out on two weeks of of some pretty high stakes drama. And I guess what I don't want to get to is I don't want to get to a point where instead of the Waffle House, you know, victim contributor, whatever, being the worst team over the course of 15 weeks, it all of a sudden become or, you know, over the course of what is it, 14 weeks over the course of 14 weeks. I don't want it to become like. Who is, you know, who was the worst team over the first twelve weeks, and then gets tanked into the Waffle House spot in the last two? Like, to me, that's like Waffle House is a bad enough punishment. Where like, and I mean, it's not terrible, but like, it's it's a taxing enough punishment that like, it should be because you were truly the worst team over the course of the entire regular season. Like, that should be the person that goes. And I think that probably was Colin, and it probably would have been Colin this year. But I just I hope that we don't get to a point in the future where like a a team that got unlucky over the course of the first twelve weeks or so ends up just getting tanked into Waffle House because they were in last place going into week thirteen. Yeah, and I mean Yeah, that would have to create a specific situation there. Like Colin being as far behind as he was, like it was going to take a miracle situation from two weeks ago and then a hope and a prayer this past week. Like, you know, we obviously were fortunate enough to have, like still have people that A, were hoping to not go to Waffle House with myself and B, like didn't have the incentive to tank. Yes, AKA you and on good, like not wanting to give Mike and Colin, you know, a better draft pick than they should have had. And then obviously, you know, again, this is a weird situation with the playoffs too, where two of the playoff teams were set in stone and Dylan and Tommy, but they had no shot at coming in first place. Like, I feel like this was just an odd year with that type of scoring where, I would say, you know, typically more teams would be in line to get first place. So those playoffs, not to say that Dylan or Tommy or Josh or Sloan didn't put out a legitimate lineup like they all did. Yeah. All their all their players sucked. Like they stunk it up worse than like a blowout diaper. But, you know, I feel like having that potential of you know teams competing for first place or more teams competing for the playoffs is going to eliminate like your scenario there and i yeah. just think we're at a, i think we're just at a point in time where you know there are the good teams and there are the teams who just like aren't ready to compete with those teams yeah but yeah and that's fair i think it's it's and, a i think we're going to run into rando situations like this throughout like weird things are going to happen being in a 10 team league but i will say the one thing that i do not want to have happen I think if this ever does happen, like that person like needs to be beaten, like stoned at boys weekend. The thing that freaking pissed me off was Sloan hopping in the group chat in the group me and going, who do I need to bench to fit in between Colin and Matt? Like to intentionally push me down. Yeah, I would agree. Like if we're going to go out and put that tactic out there of 
Like I'm going to show favoritism towards another person, or I feel bad that Colin's going to go to Waffle House. I don't feel bad. And I'm not saying that just because it's me, like if we're going to gang up on one person and be like, "Ah, I don't think they're deserving. I think they are. And I'm going to intentionally sit people because you know, my score is going to go where it is. Like for you example, like your team was at like 118 points or something like that heading into the like Sunday night games or something like that. Like if you drop one of your dudes and put in a scrub, like back up on that team just to get yourself enough to go to 122 when you could have been at like 145. Like yeah, you know, unnecessary moves like that. Like that type of power, I think, like has no business being a part of the league. Yeah, I think so too. I I, I don't like the idea of of kind of playing favorites to get to Waffle House. I just want to see you know in a perfect world everybody setting a competitive lineup to try and score points to make sure that the person that goes is the most deserving. But uh, I, and I agree. I don't think it's something that you can legislate out of the league. Um, And, and again, partially, you know, I partially feel that way because like tanking is a tanking for a pick is a legitimate strategy. Like I did it. I did it too. In the first year, I just tanked for the number one pick instead right. of the number two or number three. So it's like, it's totally a strategy. And especially like, you know, especially in this kind of scenario, like teams like Austin and Mike and, and myself and you, and you know, we need to get good players. So like if, if tanking is the difference between you getting, you know, a Marvin Harrison Jr. and a Brock Bowers, that's probably worth it, uh, you know, it, in the long run. So I think it's a legit strategy. I just I I'm disappointed that we missed out on drama uh, because I, I would have loved to come on this pod talking about, you know, all the craziness and how it came down to the, you know, the last drive of of Monday Night Football to see, you know, who's going to go to Waffle House. But that was probably a long shot anyway. Right. I will say it's interesting going back to what Sloan and Josh posed last week of and when they t- brought Colin on like what are some ways that we can deter people? You know, obviously the idea was that waffle house was gonna like, if you're willing to tank, like that's your price for dropping yourself down. You know, you run the risk of having to go to waffle house. Well, you know, what if, you know, people say the blazing challenge isn't that difficult or, you know, I'm not fearful of waffle house. So, you know, I don't really view that as enough to stop me from tanking to adjust stuff, or I know I'm not doing it. You know, like you mentioned, what are some options? And, I know the whole points for thing was thrown out there of like max points for um, to potentially decide draft order. Um, you know, the table would still at that point allow for the, the mishaps from week to week. As far as, you know, I shouldn't have started this guy. I made a stupid decision with this. This dude got hurt and that really killed my team where like, you know, the idea of tanking, like tanking might be less incentivized there because me starting a worse lineup isn't going to impact my draft stock because we're going to take my best potential lineup to help determine draft order. Yeah, I'd, I don't hate that idea. Um, I think like, you know, the table is supposed to be like, hey, this eliminates the whole, oh, I had a really good week, but. I lost to somebody that had a better week apparently than me, or I got lucky having a crap week because you were worse than me. Yeah. You know, that points four thing kind of takes care of the whole tanking stuff. 
to say like this is what the order is going to be but like you still have your waffle house person so like if so I is wanna, waffle, house, waffle house is still determined by table and that waffle waffle house would still be determined by the table yeah the difference but would the be draft. so like colin would be going to waffle house but then the actual draft order would be based on the maximum amount of points your team could have scored throughout the year so like okay. Colin would be going to Waffle House because of his like decisions and unluckiness and like things like that. However, yeah. like the actual draft order may be different. Like if, you know, Colin's punishment for being unlucky is that, but then, you know, but then the issue you run with there is like, oh my gosh, I had to go to Waffle House, but I might not get the number one pick because I had some crappy, crappy weeks. But then the weeks that I did really good, like I, my scores were crazy high. Yeah, weeks I was bad, like my whole team was bad kind of deal where like, you know, Mike Mike could be Mike could finish second to last in the table standings. But in terms of actual maximum points for like Colin scored could have had a potential higher point scored. Yeah. Like that's saying Mike technically should have come in last. So we're going to give him the number one pick. Yeah. Right. I think because I think because we have a punishment, that whole points for idea doesn't really work. Yeah. If we didn't so, have a punishment, then I think we would have to do the points for idea. Yeah, I think that's valid. So it, it would kind of, you know, if you were to adopt something like that in this season, Colin would be going to Waffle House and Colin would have the number one overall pick. But then the rest of the rest of the non-playoff teams would be based on max points for. Yeah, or maybe we do or maybe that's what we do. And we say if you come in last in the table, you are guaranteed the number one pick. That's what, yeah. Spots yeah. two through six because are all based on maximum points for. So I just pulled it up. If if we did that, where Colin was guaranteed, you know, Waffle House person was guaranteed number one over pick. So in this place, Colin gets the number one pick. The rest of the first six picks, it would be Colin at number one, you would be at your pick would be at number two, so Mike would be picking second. Angad would be picking at three again, so Mike would be picking third. Austin would be four. I would be five. Mike would actually be six with his own pick. Yeah, like Matt, Mike's max points four. I weirdly enough, if we just ranked draft order based on max points four, the draft order would be you with the number one overall pick. Uh, Angad and Austin with two and three. Colin with fourth with the fourth pick. Yeah, and then me and Mike at five and six. So pretty. That is a that is a very interesting you know activity to go through to see like the discrepancy between Colin's table point finish and Colin's max points for you look at you look at the head to head stuff. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. You look at head to head like I finished. Yeah, he's seven and seven. I'm three and eleven, and Mike's like four and he might also be three and eleven. You're Maybe. flip. You're four and ten, and Mike is three and eleven. Yeah, like Colin finished seven and seven in the head-to-head stuff, but he yeah. is coming in last place. Like that just shows the unluckiness and like and it's, the, the decision making that he had in terms of like not starting people when he could have started them, and obviously a lot of that, a lot of Collins, not a lot of, but a good chunk of Collins' points for are Devon Achan being on the bench. Those sure. weeks he dropped like 30 burgers. Yeah. And Colin had a dude go out for like two and a half points. But 
Ooh, I mean, that's only a, that's only a, that, that's only a couple couple times that that happened. But I agree. Like honestly, talking this out loud, I don't hate the idea of like the person that goes to Waffle House. Their draft pick is number one overall. Yeah. Right. And then the rest of the non-playoff teams, like your are max points for. So like you have to make the decision. Am I gunning for the number one pick? Meaning I'm going to go to Waffle House. And that's why I'm tanking. Or that's that's why I'm tanking. Yeah. Or yeah. I'm actually going to set a legitimate lineup. It doesn't matter if I really said it. I kind of love that. But, yeah. Because you know, it, it, it would create more drama too, which is obviously what I'm looking for. Oh, yeah. And if but, I'm going to if I'm gonna not set a lineup, like that's the end result. Like, yeah, I get the number one pick as long as I have my pick. Yeah. And then, you know. There would be I no am, incentive to set zero lineup to finish second. You know, right. Finish second on the table. Or Austin, like not putting a lineup in these last two weeks. Yeah. Because he has no chance at Waffle House. Yeah. You know, the only thing I, the only thing Austin would be doing there would be like lessening somebody else's opportunity because sure. he's going to get one point. But again, like if again, I going back to what I said before, like that's super crappy. If I'm like, eh, I don't want this person to get the number one pick, so I'm going to intentionally tank to like ruin their chances. Yeah. What or is I want this person to go to Waffle House, so I'm gonna. Yeah. You know, what's really wild about this. And, and maybe everybody else has looked at this and I'm just now stumbling upon this for the first time from a max points four perspective, Mike was 10 points out of a playoff spot. Like Tommy was the lowest scoring playoff team in terms of total points at 2041 points. Mike was at 2031. Like, to think that he finished as low as he did in the table and as specifically as far away from the playoffs as he did in the table, but in terms of like a total team quality or talent standpoint, to be that close to a playoff team is pretty crazy. So he's only 10 points away from Tommy. I am, what is that, 25, 50, I think 55 points away from Mike. So, like, he is way closer to a playoff spot than I am to him from five to six. And then, you know, almost a 100-point drop-off. And, sorry, Colin is Colin's about, what, 45 points away from me, 100 points down to Austin, 50 points down to Angad, another 27 points down to you. So, like, there's some pretty big gaps in there but like mike is right on the heels of the playoffs teams in terms of max points for yeah that is really interesting i think that just shows mike you made bad choices yeah (laughs) but yeah like i I said more more uh more more thoughts more food to be brought to the table yeah when uh, we're discussing yeah this rules meeting i'm you know, like you said, interested to hear people's thoughts, excited to see how that goes. So, how do you uh, transitioning here? How do you feel for uh, Colin going to Waffle House and, and specifically his strategy that he's discussed? Um, yeah, I feel you know, I I don't like to see any of the boys have to come in last place. Um, you know, Colin is such a nice person, but made his bed, he's got to sleep in it now. Um, I think. 
I t- I've talked with Kim about his strategy for going to Waffle House and like what his plan to do is. And I just don't see how it's going to be like physically possible. Like unless Colin is planning on going to Waffle House in like May or June and is going to start doing like competitive eating stuff to like expand his stomach. I just don't see how he's going to be. I feel like I feel like Colin could go the entire day before. And not eat a single thing. And he could probably still go to Waffle House. And I don't even know that he could break down double digit waffles in two hours. Colin, I'm imploring you, don't even try that. Like, I my strategy might not have been the best, but, like, I am worried that you'll end up in the hospital if you try and do that. Right. Like, like they're going to have to pump your stomach. Yeah. I don't, it, I don't hate the idea of trying to Joey Chestnut at the beginning to, to try and get as much in as possible, like, to set the tone. But man, to have an expectation of 22 and two, like, yeah, you know, like slow. And I, as much as I don't want to agree with him, no offense, Sloan, uh, he is right. Like you're only really going to be hungry once when you go in yeah, for a yeah. big meal, like people that eat Thanksgiving lunch, like when you have lunch for Thanksgiving, like you do a big meal with your family, like I eat Thanksgiving lunch. And by the time dinner rolls around, I'm just like. I ate lunch at one. It's eight thirty. I'm like, I guess I'm a little hungry. I make the yeah. tiniest plate of food, and I'm like, I can't even eat all of this. And I, yeah. and that's six hours later. Granted, yeah. I'm eating like copious amounts of food at Thanksgiving, but like, still, yeah, I don't know that you know all that stuff can happen with the waffles. So, and I don't know. I'm just, I like it. It's not like it's not like a painful experience or anything. And like, especially if you're, if you're going to be there for like five or six hours, like, you know, a bunch of people will be there with you. Like I'm definitely going to be there. I know most of the indie boys will be there. I'm sure, you know, I'll come out and sit with them for a while. Like, you know, we're going to make it entertaining. Like you guys made it entertaining for me. Like Sloan and Dylan were there for like the first hour or two that I started and you were there at the end. Like, you know, a yeah. bunch of people came and visited in between. My dad was there for a bit. Like, it was, I mean, the time went by because people stopped by and, and chatted and hung out for a while. I'm definitely coming for a waffle. Yeah, I mean, that's my plan. But, you know, I'm not trying to show up at 7 a.m. No offense to Colin. Like, oh, no. show up at like 10 or 11. Yeah. There, I mean, if like, he's going to freaking try and do it in two hours, I guess I'll have to be there at 7 a.m. But Right. Or I'm just uh, going to be like, ah, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll tune in on the group me. To yeah. See if he actually does it, and then when he doesn't do it, I'll I'll show my condolences and show up and offer some sympathy and yeah, say, man, I told you so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Well, I think that we've uh, kind of <laughs> kept this waiting as long as we could. Do you, uh, um, you know, I guess this is the official playoff preview. I feel like we should probably actually talk about the the playoff teams a little bit. Here at the end, uh, you should give, I don't toss him a bone for waiting around this long. Don't want to give him too much clout. Yeah. Um, so, what's your take? I think Dylan's chances are, you know, going downhill. <clears throat> um, no Josh Jacobs tonight, and it, I mean, not to say that Dylan doesn't have a plethora of people he could put on his in his lineup now, like, but Josh Jacobs historically been a very good fantasy player. 
um, especially tonight against the Chargers defense that at the rate it's going is giving up stats and touchdowns to everybody. Like I would hate to see what Josh Jacobs would do against this defense as opposed to what Zamir White's doing. So, you know, feel for Dylan on that one. Um, random injuries going on to other people, uh, things like that. But, you know, I am hoping for a lot of close scores like we had last year. I would love to be on the edge of my seat watching these guys like do their thing and not have one person just like way, way off the, the pace. But, you know, I also feel for somebody like Josh last year who was right there with everybody, but just happened to be the fourth lowest score. Uh, and they were yeah. all like within 10 of each other. So I feel like if I'm, if I'm in the playoffs and I'm in their shoes, I feel like if I'm going to be the lowest score, like let me post an 85 while everybody else is in like the one fifties. And I'm just like, man, that sucked. And then, yeah. you know, I just hope my team recoups uh, for next year. Yeah, no, I totally agree. <laughs> I feel like uh, it's, it's kind of interesting looking at the projections and sleeper for, for teams. And obviously Josh has Devonte Adams going right now. So his is a little adjusted for, for Devonte, but um, I mean, Sloan's projection is really low compared to the rest of the playoff field. Like, the fact that he's been the number one team pretty much, I mean, I, he has been the entire year, but, you know, most weeks he's been number one. And then for him to be like 20-ish points projected behind everybody else, like that seems kind of crazy to me. And I realize that he's without Mark Andrews and Kirk Cousins, but he hasn't had them for a while. <clears throat> it seems it seems very interesting that he's that far behind. I wonder, you know, part of me wonders if that's because of, you know, having some players questionable, like his, both of his Dolphins are questionable if maybe that's driving it down some, he has some, you know, tougher matchups too. like Baker Mayfield's playing a really good green Bay defense. You know, Gabe Davis is, is playing a good Dallas defense. So, you know, that may be part of it, but uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty, pretty low compared to the rest of the playoff teams. Yeah. And, and I mean, man, I can't help, but feel like Tommy's team is just going to freaking pull this out. Like I, you look up and down his roster and like, he's locked back in. He's got his full starting lineup going. They all look, you know, I, there, there's some green matchups in there. He might make it happen. Yeah, even the dudes that are red, I'm like, I like your opportunity and ability to to be able to do something. Like, no Keenan Allen for him this week, but like you said, everybody, like James Conner, healthy. Mike Evans, healthy. Lockett, healthy. St. Brown, Chase, healthy. Kittle, ready to go. Kyron Williams and Derrick Henry, back at it. Justin Fields is ready to go. Brock Purdy, like... I agree. I think I feel I just in my gut. I feel like Tommy's about to put up a big week. Um, Sloan's team. Very interesting. The, the guys that you would expect to have be projected high. Like, like you said, golf and Mayfield's projection scores are very low. Um, Gabe Davis, Cade Otten, Brandon cooks. Like, obviously you're not expecting a ton from those guys to begin with, but you know, single having three single digit projected scores, as one of the playoff teams is kind of crazy. Like Josh's yeah. lowest projected player is 11.79. Yeah. And that is Cooper cup going yeah. up against a crappy Washington defense. And I think part of that is just because his production has been so bad, but I'm like, I feel really good that he can beat that. Like, I don't necessarily know that Brandon cooks can break 6.8 points. Yeah. Um, with like some of the weeks he has. And it's the same thing with, with Tommy and Dylan, like, Tommy's one single digit or he's got two people that are at 9.6 and 
Like everybody else is a double digit projected score. And, you know, Dylan's <laughs> win a Fred. Dylan's really no different either. Yeah. And like, if you just look at kind of how their teams are trending heading into the playoffs, like if you, if you kind of toss out this last week because of the weirdness with, with, uh, you know, the tanking and stuff, like the last four weeks, Tommy's team has put up nine, 10, six, and 10. Like his team is clicking right now. So it feels like he's got the momentum. Josh has had a couple nice weeks. He, you know, he's 10, 5, 8, 6. So, like, not terrible. You know, Sloan, 8, 9, 7, 4. So, you know, reasonable. But, man, that 9, 10, 10 combo three of the last four weeks from Tommy just makes me feel like his his team is peaking at the right time. Yep, and I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. I'm sorry, Sloan. Like, obviously – you know, it would be pretty cool if you won. I'm going to celebrate whoever does win, but deep down at my core, I'm hoping you finish worst. So that way your pick is seventh overall and that's the draft pick I inherit. <laughs> so, you know, maybe, maybe next year when I don't have your first round pick, you can uh, go win the title. Yeah. I, I, I know we've talked about this, but I'm, I'm excited. Like I, I, I feel like I can celebrate for whoever wins. Like, I, I I think it'll be fun. I, there's nobody that I'm really cheering against. Um, I would like to see a new champion. So yeah, I, I, as funny as I think it would be to have have Tommy be a three-time champion, and don't get me wrong, I could totally celebrate. You know, a third championship for Tommy. But I think it'd be. I, I think there's you know reason to celebrate every team that could win this. And I mean, they've all had good seasons. They deserve to be here. There's no doubt that that these are our playoff teams, in my opinion. So. Um, yeah, I think it'll be be a good run. Um, do you feel uh, like you can you can make your pick for who's coming in first in, in week one of the the playoffs? I think if I had to make a pick for this week only, right? Who's going to get out on the best foot? I'm just going to go ahead and say the order I think people are going to finish in. I'm going to say Josh is going to put up the highest score. He'll take that five points. Uh, I'm going to give Tommy the second highest. So we'll give him the three. I think Sloan uh, is going to have some guys outperform their projections. I'll give him third, uh, which will put him at two and a half points. And then I think Dylan ultimately this week is going to end up being the lowest score, kind of putting him at a disadvantage and in the hole right off the jump. Yeah. I very similar for me. I, I just have Tommy finishing first. I think Tommy will be first. Josh will be second. Uh, Sloan third, Dylan fourth. Um, I think I think Dylan team is, is trending in the wrong direction. So um, we'll see, we'll see where it comes comes out though. Any other uh, any other fantasy dynasty talk uh, you want to cover before we before we wrap here? Um, I am. Uh, you know, we're gonna hop up here in two weeks. Uh, right before the final week of the playoffs. Obviously, we'll. We'll throw some insight. Hopefully there's some drama still in terms of who could potentially take home the championship. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking about drama this week. Um, but I am very much looking forward to uh, giving some content for those bottom six. Uh, you know, get, get my, uh, my Matt Kuyper Jr. action going on. I told you the prospect rankings have already begun uh, taking shape. Uh, expect that to be come out to come out here soon as you know, bowl games start to to happen, giving you some names to look out for. 
uh, some prospects to check out, maybe get some get some film on. I've I've already I'm already deep in my uh, my draft research for my 11th overall pick, uh, and it's, it's by the way important to me that I get a good player at 11. So I'm I'm already uh, knee deep in it. I'm ready to share share my knowledge. I think that's the best part that we do. Like we do all this draft research. I know that Josh does. I know that Mike does. And we get it on here. And we talk about it honestly. I think that's, that's good. I, I can say I have never uh, purposely, you know, tried to mislead anybody in terms of what I think of these players. And obviously everybody has their own opinion, so they don't have to listen to me, but I, I like that. We, you know, everybody that talks about draft, you know, draft prospects on this, on this podcast does so, does so honestly, even though uh, we are kind of, you know, competing against each other. Yeah, I think it's, I, you know, I was doing this while I was making my rankings. Like I had my, you know, I had made up my final post like NFL draft rankings from 2023, just looking through and being like, just taking a peek and being like, all right, how did I do, you know, were there any big names that I'd missed uh, that needed to be included, you know, who wasn't included? Um, where did I have people at, you know, stuff like that. So especially from the skill position, I mean, it's obviously it's all skill position players, but you know, it was just interesting to go back and through to see like, Hey, did I, you know, especially those mid tier guys, right? Obviously we know the core, especially last year, like these seven, these six are going to be like the expectation is they're going to be really good fantasy, like dynasty assets, but then what guys in the, uh, Oh my Lord in the second and third round did like that were drafted that actually performed well. Did I have as like, you know, higher on the board than maybe other people would have thought. So. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. So I think that, uh, that covers pretty much all the, all the dynasty, uh, stuff that we wanted to talk about. I do know, um, for those of you that are still, still listening at this point in the pod, which I'm not, I, we may not have anybody here. It's going to be actually really intriguing to see. Uh, to see, this will be the true test of whether or not people make it to the end of our podcast. This might be a little humbling uh, after after people listen to this. But as I promised in my opening, this is a, truly a once in a lifetime. Well, maybe more than once, but <laughs> this, this is the first in a lifetime. It's a first also. of a kind. First of first a kind, of a kind <laughs> podcast. And I promised that it would be legendary. And even though our, you know, riveting commentary on the last couple of weeks of the season and the playoff, uh, you know, playoff preview and stuff was was probably great entertainment for most of you. That was not the part of the podcast that was going to be legendary. This was the part of the podcast that was going to be legendary. So I I will turn it over, Matt, to you here in a minute. But um, I just want to say. You know, he and I throughout this entire podcast have been dropping puns and clues about what is so legendary about the end of this podcast. So after he uh, does his part of the the deal here, I highly encourage you all to go back and see if uh, see how many clues you catch. So, Matt, I will I will turn it over to you. Yeah. So Brian mentioned, you know, who actually has made it to this point. Um, if you have made it to this point this far into the podcast. What I would love for you to do is to text me like in response to the, to what I'm about to share. So do not put anything in the group me. 
you're yes. going to spoil the fun for everybody else. This will be awesome. Personally, send me a message uh, regarding this. Um, I will also say, uh, actually, I'll, I'll comment on that later. But the, the legendary aspect of this podcast is that, uh, oh, old Matt boy is going to be a dad. Uh, oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. Brian's been on this information for a while. Um, Kim will be 14 weeks pregnant tomorrow. Uh, we're officially out of the first trimester, uh, almost double uh, the length of the time uh, at this point last year. So her a huge milestone. Yeah, I know. Every both uh, both doctors' visits we've had have just been like very refreshing to like see the baby, and you know, this last time being able to see the baby a second time and seeing the the heartbeat, and um, you know, Kim's morning sickness has been crazy. Um, just like, and not even morning sickness, just like being nauseous, like constantly throughout the day, uh, has been kind of wild, but, you know, we're viewing it as a blessing that, you know, if she's still feeling that way, then that means stuff is still going on, uh, with the baby. So, um, but yeah, staying positive, you know, she just like was nervous about something earlier this week, went to the OB, uh, they were able to find the heartbeat, like immediately and the nurse made a comment about like oh like i rarely ever get it on the first time so you know like just having that like weight kind of lifted off her shoulders at that point was good but but yeah um, matt matt is going to be a dad so it's also kind of funny because i i knew that kim was pregnant um right around when Josh and Sloan on one of their podcast episodes made a comment <laughs> about tune in next time. Cause we're going to put our odds on what boy, like what member of the boys is going to have a kid next. And they never did it. And so I was hoping I, that when I got to make the announcement, I could like reveal like who actually got it right. Yeah. But nobody did anything. Um, so, you know, it's been tough for me to hold in the information. I've seen, I've been to coffee club numerous times. Um, I stink in, I went to Sloan's house and watched the Minnesota football game. Uh, <laughs> and Kim and I had to hold our tongue at that point. Um, but yeah, a lot of excitement going on. A little, uh, a little holiday, holiday cheer to spread to you boys. Yeah. And that's, I, I know I speak for all of us and saying congrats to both you guys. I know. Uh, we we felt for both of you with everything that went on last year, and and we're beyond excited for you guys. So I'm excited for everybody to hear this. I uh, although although it pales in comparison to how difficult it must have been for Matt to hold in this information, it was also difficult for me to hold in this information for, <laughs> for, for the last couple of weeks. So, uh, but no, I fully worth it to be able to announce it on the pod. I hope you guys all agree that this was uh, this was truly legendary. We will definitely be doing. A uh, a good old diaper keg, just like we did for for Tommy uh, at some point. So um, I've already kind of been planning that in the back of my mind. So um, we'll we'll get something together for that. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited for you guys. Um, yeah, and what's uh, you want to you want to kind of tell the boys kind of your next next steps in the process? What's what's the next big milestone for you guys? Yeah. So again, text me. Don't put anything in the group me because I don't want to okay. spoil the the announcement from the podcast and we'll see 
you know, well, and that'll give Brian and I data on who actually listens yep. to the podcast. Exactly. You. you know, <laughs> Adam, Adam might be the only one that doesn't get to find out. And like Zach, if they don't listen, which I don't think they do, but yeah, I you hope know, we can, <laughs> we can break the news to them like another time, but you know, I just, yeah. So um, yeah, next steps for us, uh, the very beginning of January, um, we will have our, uh, 20 week or no 16 week appointment. Yeah. Beginning of January will be our 16 week appointment. So here in like two weeks or something like that, or maybe it's three weeks. Like we have like, I think it's either week 16 or week 17. Uh, at that point we'll have another meeting with the doctor. This one will go by super fast. Um, just like a quick check-in, um, with Kim, like making sure she's feeling okay, all this stuff. Um, and then the 20 week appointment. So end of January, beginning of February, that one's like the big milestone of like us getting a like super ultrasound to check and see like, all right, are there like two arms? Are there like, where are the organ? I don't know about arms, but you know, they're going to check for like organs and things like that. Like, you know, is everything growing right? Blah, blah, blah. So, um, but yeah, so kind of making sure she's fine through kind of like the holiday season. And then that like next biggest milestone is will be that end of January appointment for us. So, yeah. but so yeah, map, map it out for us. And what's the general, general due date area? General so due date right now is June fourteenth, okay. Which I think puts our due date, if I'm not mistaken, like it's it'll be very very close to to old Theo. Um, yeah. I think Tommy. I remember Alexis mentioning it was very close to when they got married. So I think it was like early June for them, like June fourth, June. I don't remember the exact date. Sorry, Tommy. But well, I when know, Tommy texts you, he can he can fill you in on yeah how yeah close when when he texts me. Yeah. So, you know, obviously if this, uh, this thing stays in the oven for its full duration, June 14th is the, you know, when the timer goes off and the thing pops out, but That's we'll crazy. see. So, um, yeah, Kim and I have been, you know, going back and forth with names, uh, things like that. Um, we actually opted in just with like what happened last time and what has happened with like her sister and kind of her history with, pregnancies uh, we opted into like a genetic testing um the last time we were in so a couple weeks ago uh just to see you know it goes through like chromosomal stuff and yeah is kim a carrier for certain diseases and if she is like then we check me to see if i'm a carrier to see if we both had the recessive traits to, like potentially you know the baby having that trait yeah. um but everything came back like some good old punish punnet square shit yeah some punnet square stuff you know big r little r uh, but everything came back like really good from that, like low, 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 low percent chance and like probabilities of stuff, uh, being developed, which was good to see. So, um, but yeah, because we did that test, Kim and I actually know the gender. We will not be revealing the gender. That'll come on another pod. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I don't even know. I mean, we're going to, we will reveal the gender to people. Um, but don't expect the gender for a while. Um, just like we're sitting on that information for a little bit. We'll, we're going to share it with like 
my immediate family and Kim's immediate family. And then I would probably venture more so like late January, kind of around that 20 week mark. That's typically when you find out. So um, like in that time frame. So I imagine we'll, we'll announce something then, but um, so we do know the gender. We, uh, I think at least as of right now, we're pretty content on um, like a first and middle name, but that information is lock and key until, uh, until the baby comes out. So yeah. I will no, be sharing awesome. that with nobody. Love that. As, but when the gender should. comes out, if you guys want to take guesses for, you know, names of the child. Yeah, maybe we I'm can let uh, Sloan and Josh put some initial odds up uh, right. on next week's pod. They can follow through on that. But I, I I, just have to say it's pretty crazy, like, having known you since fifth grade. Uh, like, I, I don't really feel like it's real for me yet. Like, I can't imagine how it feels for you. Dude. <laughs> but like let's consider my feelings of us but uh it's like that i it just i it did not blow my mind like when you when you and kim told me like obviously i was excited for you guys and i'm not necessarily surprised but like it just i don't i don't know it hasn't hit home for me yet like i can't i can't picture it yet and yeah. i'm excited for you guys and i'm excited to to meet the baby and stuff and and um you know hoping and praying everything goes smoothly the rest of the way but like I, I don't know. You're just still the, still the guy that, that, uh, <laughs> slept over at my house and we did stupid shit and we played, you know, silly games and made Hershey's pies in the oven and did right. all that stuff with, I don't know. You're not a dad. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. But I guess you're going to be. So congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's definitely, you'll be good at it. I think like the, the shock factor last year, of you know us trying for as long as we did and then kim telling me that she was pregnant i was like like that weight and just that like value of like hey there is no issue like kim actually can get pregnant was like huge um you know obviously suffering the the and dealing with the tragedy that we did was tough um but like this time like when she told me like she was pregnant i was like all right like it happened again like let's go and then like like you said, like the, the realness is like every day that passes every week when she's like, Oh man, it's 14 weeks on Friday. Ah, like it's going to be 16 weeks when we're in, you know, while we're in Florida and things like that. And I'm like, every time she says that, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this thing is getting so close. Like I, in my head, I'm like, this baby is so close to coming out. Like I need to buy a crib tomorrow. I got to throw all my stuff away. Like, you know, yeah. things like that. And I'm just like the, the realness gets like every day, like more and more yeah. and more and more. I'm just like, Holy shit. But yeah. you know, yeah. I've had, I got, got good role models for us, you know, seeing Brenna and Ty and how totally. like they've handled Mila and Levitt and stuff like that. Obviously we have a great support system uh, with you and Annie and the rest of the boys and, you know, my family and Kim's family as well and all of her coworkers and friends. So you yeah, know, we couldn't be couldn't be in a better spot. Yeah, no, that's that's exciting. You you definitely have a have a good community to lean on. I mean, you guys will be great parents too. Eh? You you've been uh, if you can deal with high schoolers and deal with uh, intermediate schoolers, I think you can deal with right deal with a kid. So no, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, anything else you wanna you wanna share with boys? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I don't know. Unless I'm forgetting something, I think that's all I got. Yeah, no, that's exciting. Good. Maybe we'll maybe we'll provide uh provide baby updates on each of our future pods going forward for the next couple months. 
it's it's very uh it's very nice of you guys to consider that we probably don't need to do any pods in like June and July. Uh, so I you're welcome to take paternity leave from the pod during those. I appreciate, I appreciate those it. Weeks if, if you need to, <laughs> but right. uh, come I'll, like August thirty first, I'll get my two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you'll you'll need to be back by then. So <laughs> you're. Winnie already interrupts the pod enough, so if if baby Kenny needs to interrupt the pod too, that's fine. But uh, oh yeah, we'll need to be back for that. So, uh, but no, congrats from all of us. I'm excited to hear uh, tomorrow who uh, who actually listens to us. So this who, will who actually listens to the pod tomorrow versus tries to listen on Saturday versus like yeah. Monday of next week. Like you know, what's going to be really funny is if we end up doing coffee club this weekend. And some of the group knows, and some of the group doesn't. So that's going to be pretty. And like, yeah, you got, we do coffee club. It's going to be you listen to the pod. I yeah, mean, I did. Did you listen to the pod? Yeah. No. Everyone's like, oh, God damn it, we can't talk about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> or, or I think if that's the case, it's going to be no. You need to go to your car and listen, and then you can come back when you're done. Yeah, come <laughs> see us at one point seven speed. Like, come see, speed. come see us in an hour, and yeah. then you'll be allowed back in the coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's awesome. Though no, I'm excited to see you. Got to let me know who texts you in the next couple of days. So yeah, I will. Uh, no, it's good stuff. So, well, we will uh, go ahead and wrap with that. I don't think there's any way to possibly top that or, or uh, uh, you know have a better wrap. So, um, with that, Papa Kenny and I will go ahead and sign off. So yes, thanks sir. for listening, guys. Au revoir.